Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series, which can be heard on VHHA.com and many popular podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. You can listen on the radio each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, 107.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia, and 1650 a.m. in Hampton Roads, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. That's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. I'm Will Seldon with VHHA, and today we're glad to be joined by Susan Jackowitz, an administrative program leader at UVA Health, for a conversation about ongoing efforts to combat workplace violence against healthcare providers who face a significantly heightened risk of exposure to violence through their work. We'll cover that topic in just a moment, but first, welcome to the program, Susan. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, I want to jump right in. People listening to this may remember that in June of this year, there was a horrific fatal shooting at a hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They claimed the lives of two doctors, a hospital employee, and a patient. And then days later, a doctor and two nurses were stabbed at a Los Angeles hospital. These violent episodes grabbed headlines, but undoubtedly there are many, many more that routinely happen in U.S. hospitals that don't make the news. In fact, federal data indicates that healthcare professionals are five times more likely to experience workplace violence than workers in any other private sector industry. And for context, the most recent annual figures from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics show that 70% of the 21,000 recorded workplace violence events occurred in the healthcare sector, which is just an insane number. So for the audience, Susan, can you help define manifestations of workplace violence in healthcare settings that you're familiar with, and then maybe shine a light on some of the types of inappropriate abuse providers face when patients sort of lash out like that? Absolutely. They can range anything from the very simple to threats of violence. I'm going to slap you, hurt you. I'm going to kill you to slapping, scratching, punching, hair pulling to the obviously more egregious, horrific events such as what you just mentioned. Do you wish you could focus on practicing medicine without all the distractions? Covaris is here to help. As a leader in medical professional liability insurance with more than 45 years experience, Covaris provides insurance protection with data-driven predictive modeling to help you mitigate the risk of claims. By combining insurance protection with risk analytics services, you can reduce distractions and focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. Covaris is reinventing what you should expect from your medical professional liability provider. Find out all Covaris can offer you at covaris.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-Y-S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries, Boston, Massachusetts. What's concerning is that data suggests healthcare workplace violence is a growing and underreported problem, meaning there are likely many more cases happening than what we know about. For example, the Annals of Emergency Medicine reported on a 2021 study that 78% of all healthcare workers experienced a violent assault in the prior 12 months, including more than one in five emergency physician residents. 89% of residents experienced verbal assault by a patient in the prior 12 months compared to 80% of other healthcare workers. And a 2022 survey by Incredible Health found that 65% of nurses surveyed reported that they had been verbally or physically assaulted by a patient or patient's family member within the last year. There's also research indicating COVID-19 and associated public frustration may be a contributing factor. So what are your thoughts on how COVID might have influenced this current climate? Well, I think the 
stresses of the pandemic absolutely impacted our patients and the public in general, as well as our healthcare workers. The restrictions that we had to put on visitation and people entering healthcare facilities absolutely caused frustration amongst our patients and visitors and family members. Having people required to wear masking had its own implications. And the stresses for our healthcare workers, limitations on resources and staffing were stressors that came in as the pandemic continued for much longer than um, certainly any of us thought that it would go on. On the public policy front, the Virginia General Assembly passed a law in 2019 to strengthen protections for clinicians performing their jobs by making it a crime to threaten to kill or harm them while they're rendering care in a hospital, emergency department, or other clinical facility. Healthcare workplace violence legislation has also been introduced in Congress. More locally, VHHA has an active workplace safety task force made to host informational workshops and learning sessions for participating hospital team members. We've also developed a workplace violence prevention toolkit with best practice strategies that's been distributed to hospitals. Organizations such as UVA Health have also developed in-house policies and initiatives to increase staff situational awareness and response strategies when workplace violence occurs. So, you would, Susan, can you give us some insights into some of the approaches being taken at UVA Health and what results have been from those? One of the things that we've really tried to focus on is reporting. We know that workplace violence is underreported, so we really try to simplify reporting. Um, there were multiple mechanisms to report up until this past year, and so we tried to streamline reporting to make one pathway for reporting and to really encourage reporting so that we have accurate um, numbers for how frequent this is occurring in our environment. And we know that it is occurring across all aspects throughout our environment. It's not just nursing. It is also our staff that man our front desk and allow uh, patients and visitors direction it is our security guards, you know, it is all encompassing. And so it is incredibly important that we train and give tools and resources across our environment. And previously, I think training and resources had been very targeted to our clinical team members. And so we really strive to make sure that these resources and education go across the environment and across all disciplines. That has really been one of our targeted focus of this past year. And we've really been trying to use the new Joint Commission standards, which came into play in January of 2022, which um, have been really strong about providing ongoing training. So it's not just a one-and-done training. And I think that's an incredibly important message to also send, that it really has to be ongoing annual training because we do have turnover, and so you have to remember that as your staff turn over, you have to get staff each year because situations are going to change and there are going to be new issues that arise. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned before that VHHA hosted a workplace violence workshop recently, and I was able to attend and speak to a couple of the participants, and, and that was a common thread for everybody there, it was just ongoing training and um, like you mentioned before, reporting is also so important. One of the people that I spoke to put it so simply and so eloquently, though, she said, 
if people don't feel safe, how can we expect them to make other people feel cared for and protected and safe? And it, it's such a simple idea, but we're, we're having this conversation. So it's clearly an issue that is so important. While this is obviously a concern for many hospitals, my sense that this topic hits home, especially at UVA Health, because of the connection to the Dr. Lorna Breen Harris Foundation, which is an organization named in honor of a physician with Charlottesville ties, whose passing inspired a federal law focused on provider wellness and resilience at a time when clinician burnout is a real challenge in healthcare for a variety of reasons. In this current environment, what message might you like to share with the public about the importance of treating healthcare professionals with dignity and respect so that they can do their jobs and really take care of the patients they serve? I think as we look at workplace violence, I think that as we look at strategies to prevent, the next step is that recovery and that resilience. And how do we take care of our caregivers? And that really needs to be our next focus. All of our strategies are step one, but step two is is just that. How do we take care of our caregivers? so that they can come back the next day and provide the most excellent care to our patients because that is what they want to do each and every day. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing that. Before we conclude, it's traditional on this podcast to ask our guests the questions just to close the show out. So to keep things interesting, we've developed a list of 10 mystery questions. So when you're ready, go ahead and pick two numbers from 1 to 10, and I'll ask you those corresponding questions. 4 and 7. All righty. Four, this is a new addition to the list. You're the first person to ask this. This is exciting. Which, if any, of the following things do you consider most plausible? So you've got Bigfoot, Yeti, the Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra, the Jersey Devil, or UFOs and aliens in general. And if none of those apply, but you believe in something else along those lines, feel free to share that as well. I don't believe in any of that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I have to follow up on that. So, so... Aliens don't exist. No intelligent life outside of Earth. Well, I'm a real pragmatist. That's <laughs> I fair. I believe in what I can see. That's fair. That's fair. I like it. And you said seven was the other one? Yes, please. Okay. If you could choose one superpower or any one skill to instantly master, what would it be and why? Well, if I could choose a skill to master, it would be swimming because although you can't see me, I am older than I should be and am only just learning how to swim. I did not learn how to swim as a child and I am just learning. And so though it is not a superpower, I would like to really be able to swim. So not a superpower, but a skill I should and everyone should know how to do. So that would be my superpower and I don't know how to do it. Although I would like to be able to read mine. Two great answers. That's fantastic. Well, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. We want to once again thank our guest, Susan Jackowitz, for joining us today. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it.